chapter 4 and Psalm 51. So James 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of a God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for us, for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace, and that is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. So submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near God, and he will come near you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble your and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. And when you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and one judge the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go and make this city, spend a year here, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is Lord's will, we will live and go and do this and that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Psalm 51. For the director of music, a psalm of David. When the prophet Nathan came to him after David has committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O Lord. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and I have done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. So cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I shall then snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide my face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me in the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners who turn back to you, so that sinners will turn back to you. 
Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are my, uh, who are God my Savior and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O Lord, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteousness. In burnt offerings offered whole, then bulls will be offered on your altar. Round of applause for the man who's read a marathon Bible reading. <laughs> I'm going to stand over here so I can see your beautiful faces, but I can also be able to glance at where we're up to on our slide. I want to talk about getting to the heart of the problem. The heart of the problem with our world is the human heart. There's no doubt about it. Uh, when I was preparing this, I thought, well, I'll just have a quick... I wrote, made a little note uh, in my notes here to um, spin, spin out some headlines. And so I jumped on the computer late this week and just talked about some of the things that I saw were a reflection in our world with the problem of the human heart. I believe that we have a heart problem. I believe that I have a heart problem. Uh, I suspect that you may have a heart condition as well. So just in this last week, uh, there was uh, President Trump. And uh, he, of course, said that he misspoke when he was with the Russian, uh, the head of Russia, Vladimir Putin. He was talking about whether the Russians did or didn't hack into the election, manipulate the election somehow and have their way in that. And then he, he said these words. He said, I don't see any reason uh, why it would be Russia. And then, of course, he got back and everybody said, uh-huh. You know, the whole security forces said, we think it was. And then he said, uh, I misspoke. My script should have said, and if it said it, he would have read it. Uh, I don't see any right reason why it wouldn't have been Russia. You see, what's going on here? What is happening in somebody's heart that they would be able to be one person in one place and another person in another place? Then we have the member for Wagga, uh, William Maguire, who conceded in, in, a, in a situation where he was put on the, on the mat with regards to his parliamentary duties that he took, used his position as a parliamentarian, he took a kickback from a Chinese developer that they were talking about, if you get this development through, I get a certain percentage of the cut. That is a complete violation of his responsibilities as an impartial minister in the government. So all week he's been saying, I won't resign, I won't resign, I won't resign, I won't resign. And of course the pressure just got ratcheted up on him and last night he fell on his sword. What is it? that somebody would be in a position of trust, a position of being elected to an electorate, and they're in there feathering their nest and not serving their electorate. I believe it's an issue of the heart. Then, of course, we have Australia's most homegrown, noted and wanted terrorist, Neil Prakash, who was caught in on the border of Turkey, went in, in the Turkish courts. The Australian government sought his extradition. We wanted to be able to bring him out here and because he has been recruiting and advocating terrorism against our country. 
And of course, the court finds uh, that they're, they're not going to extradite him. He was on other charges. If he wasn't on other charges in Turkey, the Turkish court would have released one of the, the highest noted terrorists that have come out of Australia that going over there as an ISIS operative. What is wrong with people? It's an issue of the human heart. Then, of course, we have the Catholic Archbishop of Adelaide, Philip Wilson, who has been convicted by a court for covering up child sex offences. And he won't resign. And Malcolm Turnbull has communicated to the Pope, you need to sack this guy. And, of course, he won't resign. He's appealing the, uh, the charges. I think the issue is the human heart. Can we have our, our first slide? Thanks. So the issue is the human heart. And I want you to look up your devices, grab your Bibles or whatever you've got, flick open your phones. We're going to be looking at James. You'll need to reference that. It's not an ECC evenings. There's nothing on there. I just had a look a minute ago. So grab your Bibles, open up your devices. Hope you've got a couple of Bible apps on your phone. I got about three of them. I clumped them all together last night. I've got that many apps. Remington keeps downloading games and stuff like that. Turn up on my thing. So I don't want to play whatever he wants to play. So I had to put all my Bible stuff at the front. So look at that. The issue of the human heart. The issue of the human heart. Let's get to the heart of the problem. Okay, let's have a look at the first few verses. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? It's the desires that battle within us. It's the stuff that is within us that is the problem. This is where the quarrels and the fights come. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight, and you do not have because you do not ask God. And so what we have is we have a whole lot of... Uh, we have our next slide? I'm just going to call them out, I think. Can we have our next one? Thanks. Things died. Can we have the next slide? Yeah, we've got it. Great. <laughs> yep. All right. What causes uh, fights and quarrels and stealing? Well, it's an issue of the human heart. Uh, you know, what is the answer to that? What is the answer? Well, I think education is education the answer. We're often told that education, if we just were educated, we'd be better. But you see, education is incredibly helpful, but it's not the complete answer. Somebody talked about, you know, there's an awareness. Well, an awareness, if we just were aware, we'd be different. We can be aware of things, but awareness is not the complete answer. The answer uh, to the problem is God. We have an actual heart condition. Do you have a heart condition? So the heart condition, number one, is that we have a fallen and fractured human nature. This is our first heart condition. We have a fallen and fractured human nature. Uh, in Jeremiah, he writes, and this is from the ESV version, which I sometimes use, which is also one of my Bible apps, next to the other couple of Bible apps. 
The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Psalm 51, which we had read to us, was, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time that my mother conceived me. You see, this is why the scripture that we've got in James talks, it's about the battles that rage within us. That's the issue. We have our fallen and fractured human nature our covetousness, our desire to have what other people have. And so what happens is we see on a global scale, we see governments, they want territories, so they they fight against each other. They want oil, they want political control, they want power, they want a job, they want somebody's always knifing somebody in the back to get uh, a political job. Um they have, uh, they want an inheritance. You even see at a local level in inheritance, people pass away and there's an immediate squabble over who gets what. I buried my mother on the Friday and on the Monday morning I had a sheriff on my front door issuing me a summons to go to court because there was a dispute over my mother's estate. I never got a chance to mourn my mother. I as the I was the executor of her estate. I was immediately thrown into battle mode. I never got to mourn my mother. I had to get, immediately prepare for a massive court case, which cost the estate tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars. And this is way back in uh, you know in ninety two. Excellent, good batteries and everything. It's all good now. And so what happens is, you know, that that's the situation. What was that all about? Was it an issue of the human heart? Nobody respecting what my mother wanted to do with what was rightfully hers. And so we had to drag it out and fight it out in a court of law. And, you know, the, the, the problem is that Bible says, you know, right from the beginning where God was laying down some principles for his people in the Ten Commandments, this is for God's people, how to live as his covenant people. And he says in chapter 20 of Exodus, you shall not covet, which means desire, desperately want, desire, go after, those kinds of things. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. It's pretty difficult with all the good home shows that are going on. I can see a few of them that I think, yeah, I could live in that one. My wife and I have decided that we are destined to live in a beautiful mid-century modern thing and decorate it with 1950s and 60s furniture. Cool. Yep, that's not going to happen. Um, or I want Cherie Barber to uh, to renovate anything that I own. That's not going to happen either. So don't want your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife. So many relationships are breaking down because people get designs on somebody else's partner. They pursue them. They trap them. They get led away into another relationship. Or his female servant or his ox or his donkey. That means his car, his computer. Whatever your neighbor has, whatever belongs to our neighbor, we strife happens when we desperately want what belongs to us someone else and we, we manipulate and we angle to get what they've got, their job at work, their pathway to their profession. And we go for that sort of thing. That is the nature of the human heart. And that is the problem that we have a heart condition that is a fallen, fractured human nature. And it even says, look at verse three. Go to James in verse 3. What's even corrupted? What's the thing that says that it's even corrupted? What's corrupted? Verse 3. Even our what? Just someone yell it out. It's very easy. Sunday school answer. What is it? Yes, motives. Motives when we what? Motives when we pray. 
Even when we pray, we can't approach God with the right motives. Even when we pray, we want a yes. Why? Because we want to grab what God gives us and spend it on our own pleasures. How much of our prayer is all about what we want? How much of our prayer is about, oh God, we go in there, is it like it's a celestial shopping list? We expect God to fill the trolley of our desires up and to go through the checkout with no payment. We just want to fill everything up that we want. How much of our, our prayers are around our own selfishness and our own desire and all of those things as opposed to things that are more kingdom minded, more other person focused? It's interesting to watch ourselves pray. Watch yourself pray. Watch what you're praying for. What's going on here? How much God is in that? Even our prayers are corrupted because it's an issue of the human heart. We have a fallen and we have a fractured human nature. Here we go. Boom, look at that. Heart condition number two is that we have overwhelming self-interest. Overwhelming self-interest. And the key to that is having a submitted heart. I like the parable of the bamboo. How many people got that? Yeah, I like the. That was great, Jess. That was a very good parable of the bamboo. The bamboo is submitted to the master's will to be used in the master's hand for the benefit of other things. We will never deal with our lives unless we submit our lives and our hearts to the will of God. We are the ones... We are the ones that need to be prepared. Cut me down. We are the ones that need to say to God, strip me of my foliage. We are the ones that need to say, if necessary, split me in half and bore my core out so that I can be a conduit of water to bring life to other people. That is the submitted heart. Look at verse 6 and look at verse 10 in chapter 4 of James. You got your eyes on it? Okay, it says this. But he gives more grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the who? Shows favor to the humble, down to verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. This is submitting to God. The key to having this life is a submitted life to God. So we need a submitted life. We need a life that draws near to God. We need a life that that washes our hands from those things that we know uh, that are wrong. We need, um, I'm not sure if we can get that to go any higher. There's a few things missing in that, but nevertheless, I'll call them out anyway. We need that submitted life. Look at what, you know, we're under spiritual attack. We know that. But look at verse 7. It says, submit yourself then to God. Then it says, and we love to quote this part. Every Christian loves to quote this verse. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Claim that, claim that and claim that. We never hear preachers preach the first part of the verse. What's the first part of the verse? Yeah, submit what? To what? Submit yourselves then to God. See, we want a life that's, that overcomes evil. We want a life that can resist the devil. We want a life that draws near to God. Who doesn't want to be near God? Who doesn't want to be close to God? Who doesn't want to draw near to him and have God drawing to him? Who doesn't want a life that can resist evil and push evil away? But the problem is we want all that. Yes, I resist the devil. I draw near to God. But we only can get there after we go through step one. And step one is we've got to submit ourselves to God as Lord. We've got to say, God, if you want to strip me of my fold, 
privilege. If you want to cut me down, if you want to split me in two, I'm totally humble. What your will is my will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Write your name in the prayer. That's the Lord's Prayer. And so we have this submission to God. Then, of course, once we've done that, we have this bifold thing. We, we resist evil and the devil will flee from us. He, he cannot stand that sense of resistance. We stand and fight. And then we come near to God and he will come near to us. Then the scripture says, wash your hands. Now, that means in verse 8, it says, come near to God, wash your hands. That means stop doing the things that are offensive to God. Wash your hands, you sinners. And in our psalm... And this follows after David had committed adultery and murder. King David committed adultery. And then so he wouldn't be found out. He murdered the woman's husband. Sent him to the front line where he'd be shot down. You know, filled of arrows. Adultery and murder. He's crying out to God and he says, wash all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. We need to wash our hands. If we're going to have submitted lives, we need to have sins that we need to have lives that 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 wash the sin away that say, God, you know, cleanse me from doing wrong things. Then purify my heart. Look at verse eight it says we deal with our actions. Then it says we, we deal with our hearts. Purify my heart purify my heart verse 10 in our psalm says create in me a clean heart O god and renew a right spirit within me the issue is this friends we've got to deal with our heart we need open heart surgery we've got to say god open up my life but deal within it we get transformed from the heart out we open ourselves and say god do a deep and profound work in me change my heart if god changes your heart he changes your life That's how he works. It's not the superficial stuff. It's the deep heart surgery that is transformational to our lives. That's how. When we open our heart and say, God, I need open heart surgery. I've got various heart conditions and I need you to get in there and I need you to fix it. Part of it is, Lord, purify my heart, creating me a pure heart, oh God. And he says, be single-minded as opposed to double-minded. We've got to be in the God camp. Verse 8. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be single-minded. And then in the psalm, he says in verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. A willing spirit. Friends, I need to pray sometimes. I've got to... How many times we know what's right? We know what's right. We kind of know what's right. You know, sometimes we teach the Bible so much, everybody kind of know what's right. You never really get into a situation and go, oh, I wonder if it's a sin or not. Mm. Oh, let's toss a coin. We kind of know, hey? No, we do know, don't we, when we're, gonna, we're facing down the barrel of doing the wrong thing. But what is, what is it we don't have? We, we don't have a willing spirit to do what God wants us to do. We know what's right, but we don't have a willing spirit. We need to pray for a willing spirit to do the will of God. We need a willing spirit to do the will of God. We need to be single-minded, and our single-mindedness is this. God, I want a willing spirit to do the will of God in my life. I want to be absolutely singularly single-minded with a single focus, and that is to do the will of God in my life. 
verse 9 says we need to be mourning. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that we mourn dead people. It means that we mourn the sin in our life. We take seriously. We grieve, mourn and wail over our shortcomings. I don't treat my sin as seriously as God does. I have a much lower care factor about my own sin than God does. God cares so much about my sin that he sent his son to die for it. I hardly give it a second thought on a daily basis. I need to be someone who mourns over my sin. Sacrifice, he says in his psalm at verse 17, the sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, God, you will not despise. I tell you what, my heart is not broken enough. My heart is not contrite enough. I have a heart condition. You might have one too. We need a submitted heart. It's a key to godly living. We need to be washing our hands, purifying our hearts, being single-minded and being mourning. Okay, let's have a look at our next thing here. When our heart is in our mouth. When our heart is in our mouth. This is an issue. Ben gave a killer sermon last week. Unbelievable. Cheers to Ben, everybody. He ripped it up. He preached the house down. Do you ever want to know how we should be using our mouths and the words that should be coming out of them? Get straight onto the podcast and get a dose of a great sermon. A couple of things that, uh, of course, I'm now I'm just quoting Ben, who was quoting the Bible. So don't, you can't, you know, you just quoted the Bible, man, wasn't that? No. It was good, but, you know. Uh, Luke 6.45, when a person brings good things out of their, the good stored up in their heart, and an evil person brings the evil things out of the stored up in their heart, for the mouth speaks out of what the, ha- the heart is full of. And so sometimes we catch ourselves saying things that are outrageous. Sometimes we catch ourselves saying things that shouldn't come out of our mouth. True? Hello? And the issue is that because our mouth is speaking what our heart is full of. We have our hearts in our mouths and then what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of our hearts. That's why it is a heart condition issue. We need open heart surgery. And Ephesians 4, because Ben said Ephesians is one of his first... Listen, Ben, you said it was one of your favorite passages, dude. Yeah. Uh, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what should come out of our mouths. What's the test? Is it helpful? Does it build others up? Is it tailored according to their needs and what, not what you need to get off your chest? There's a thought. So that it may benefit other people. So that's what we need to do. There's a test there of what should come out of our mouths. It's got to be helpful. It's got to build people up. It's got to be according to their needs, not according to what we want to say. And it's got to be building people up who listen. Because we've got to have hearts that want that. We need to have hearts that love each other, that build each other up, that we get next to each other. We want to add value to each other's lives. And so we say things that are going to build each other up. We build each other up with what we say. And so our hearts change. That's how our mouths change. That's how our words change. Because we need a change of heart in order to have a change of vocabulary. And of course we don't judge other people. I was a pretty full-on young Christian. You could probably imagine that. I've calmed down a lot. I'm less enthusiastic, less aggressive. Well, not really. I'm still pretty full-on. 
I was uh, our our youth group used to uh, we used to go out for supper as a youth group too back in the day. I was not only a pastor; I was a youth worker. And before I was a youth worker, I was actually a youth. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? You know, when dinosaurs roamed the world and we rode to school on the back of kangaroos and I used a black snake for a whip. You know, back in those days, <laughs> lived in a bark hut, all that. Uh, back in those days, when we finished youth group, we used to. I, I grew up at French's Forest, and we used to go down to Manly, uh, which was a very cool place, and we used to have supper down there. We used to drive down the down, you know, the Wakers Parkway, and we'd, we'd do supper down in Manly. It's about a 15-minute drive. And I was always enthusiastic. I, I just thought I came to know Jesus, and everybody that had breath and was alive needed to know Jesus. So I was just absolutely flat out. My, my idea, my definition of evangelistic opportunity is that you were, you were standing near me and you were breathing. And then if you were standing near me and you were breathing, you're going to get it. You're going to get gospeled. You're going to get Jesusified. You're going to get the Bible preached at you. You're going to be told that you need, you're going to be told you're a sinner. You're going to be told you need Jesus. I'm just going to serve it up to you. You can't imagine me being like that. I know it's unbelievable. But I was, well, that was when I was brash and bold. And so there was this guy in the car park. Can you believe it? I never even let him get out of the car park. Some dude, I ambushed some dude in the car park. And I'm giving him the Jesus talk. He's just trying to probably get to the shop or something. I don't know, but he's going to get Jesus tonight, I'm telling you. I've got him standing there and I'm Jesus fine and I'm preaching at him and I'm speaking to him and you're a sinner and God's the creator of the world and you're a sinner and you're going to go before the throne of judgment and all this kind of stuff. It's the love of God pouring out of me. You can hear it already. And so, you know, instead of getting to know the guy, instead of saying, hi, my name's Larry, how are you doing? I could love you in Jesus. No, 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 no. I was going to affront him with the gospel and beat him over the head with my Bible until he submitted to Jesus. And so I'm giving it to him. And he's like a quiet, like me, he was a very quiet person. He was a quiet, sort of a sensitive guy. I could see him in this kind of like position like this. You could, why would he be like that when I'm only sharing with him and 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 he just kept on saying this thing he just kept on saying Matthew chapter 7 1 2 and I just kept on preaching at him and you know he's kept on saying Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 and 2 and I kept the more he said that the harder I preached and so in the end I just gave up it was like bullets just bouncing off him and I just thought well, I'm going to pray for you man you become a Christian and all that and he's going Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 and 2 well, of course, in my enthusiasm, did I know Matthew chapter 7, 1 and 2 off the top of my head? I did not. I got home and I read these words, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I judged him. I'd made assumptions about what he knew. Probably never even asked him if he knew the Lord. I just thought it was an opportunity to Bible bash the daylights out of him. How many times do we judge people without really getting to know them? How many times do we have we walked a mile in somebody else's shoes? How many times have we sat where they sit in life and got to know somebody and got to love them before we spoke words that are helpful for building up? Was my words helpful? No. Did I build this other guy up? No. Did it benefit him? No. Was it tailored towards his needs? No. Sometimes we can even hurt people with the truth because it's not spoken in love. It says, speak the truth in love. When we're, you know, when our heart is in our mouth, it really shows sometimes because the things that come out of our mouths are not gracious. The 
the answer is we need a heart transformation. Then we need the humble heart. And the last heart condition is the overwhelming self-reliance. Overwhelming self-reliance where we just do what we want to do. Your eyes should be now on verses 13 to 15. Verses 13 to 15 overwhelming self-reliance we just do what we want we make major plans we don't submit them to god you know if you do something like a building or something like that if you've been in a house that's been renovated by parents you need to submit something to the local government that is called a something application what would it be da which stands for development application you put something in if you want to do a new building or a renovation you put in a development application you can do nothing to your property legally until the council sees that and signs off and gives you permission to do the development that you want you need a da stamp you need a stamp da even the carols in the park even the carols in the park took me two weeks to write the da Two weeks. It's a nightmare. They brought in a new rule. Even the event needed a development application. So I put the development through and then we got permission. Then we could keep the carols going in the park. And so you've got to submit your plans before you go ahead. I, I tell you what, friends, how's this for a thought? How much time, how often do we submit our plans for God, for his approval before we launch out and do what we want? You know, forget about the DA. Have you got the GA? Have you got the God approval? Because what happens is we just start launching out and do. You know what we do? We launch out. We start doing what we want. We get our own plans. We launch off, and then we're halfway in there, and probably in a, in somewhat of a mess. And we say, "Oh God, help me! God bless what I'm doing." The thing that we need to do to have submitted hearts is we need to submit our lives to God and know that and say, God, I submit my life to your will. I'm just not going to start planning a life that doesn't have God as the Lord of it. So we need to submit our plans before God. We need to pray about our future prospects. We need to do that. Have you got your eyes on those verses that I was talking about? I'm going to read a different version of them. Verses 13 to 15 from the message because I love the way that it says it. It just is very, very refreshing. It says this. And now I have a word for you who brashly announce, today or at least tomorrow, we're off to such and such a city for the year. We're going to start a business and we're going to make a lot of money. You don't know the first thing about tomorrow, says God to us today. You don't know about tomorrow. You don't know about tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to make it to uni or work. You don't know if the next time you go to the doctor, you're going to get a diagnosis that will make you go white. You don't know. You've got no idea. If anything about the news is that we've got no idea what's going to happen in life. People seem to be driving their cars into houses a lot these days where you'd think you'd be safe in your lounge room. A lot of cars going into lounge rooms. We don't know the first thing about tomorrow. You are nothing but a wisp of fog catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. The Bible says we're just like a mist. comes up, it evaporates. That's our lives. That's how we are on the scheme of the timeline of the universe. We're nothing like... What do we know? We're nothing but like a little wisp of fog that turns up. Then the sun comes up, boom, it's gone. That's us. 
So what we need to we need to get an attitude change. If the master wills it, we'll still be alive. It says there, if the master wills it, we need to submit ourselves for the GA before we start getting great plans. And that's why um, that's why the scripture also says in Proverbs. Let's see if I can pull this one up. I'll read the rest of that to you. In the Proverbs 1, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. In all your ways, submit to him and he will direct, he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. That's another part of the scripture we forget, part of verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Friends, how, how much in your life have you just launched off and done what you thought was the fair thing? And then you've gone so far down the track and you've said, oh, God bless me. God help me is more likely to be the case. We need, before we start things, to have our life totally submitted to God and say, God, if it's not your will, close the door. If it's not your will, shut the door. If it's your will, open the door. And I'll press on in faith and obedience knowing that I'm just a whisper fog. I need to submit my lives before God. So we've got to put our, our lives before him. And so to get to the heart of the problem, we've got three heart conditions. I think I've got all of them. A fractured, fallen human nature, overwhelming self-interest and overwhelming self-reliance. And so what's the treatment from a heart condition? Well, this is the treatment from a heart condition. Let me share these with you. What do we have before? couple of them you can't fit on there we need a clean heart we've got to say god create a clean heart in me we need a submitted heart is your heart submitted to god are you a bit of bamboo that can be used by the master do we have a loving heart where the words that come out of our mouths build others up and do we have a humble heart that submits to the plans of god before launching out a clean heart a submitted heart a loving heart and a humble heart friends we need open heart surgery which one of those applies to your life tonight the most i'm going to pray in about 10 seconds for open heart surgery by the holy spirit according to the word of god which one which one is the holy spirit quickening to you and say that's you that's you this is your heart problem Clean heart, submitted heart, loving heart, humble heart. Which one is God talking to you about tonight? Let's do some heart surgery. Let's just sit and um, the band can stay where they are for the minute. We're going to open our hearts to God. We're all going to pray in our own way to God. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts now. We just open ourselves, Lord, when we look at the problem. The problem with this world, the problem with our lives is the human heart. Our human heart, Lord, needs to be open to you and so right now lord we open our heart do the work we invite you right now god send your holy spirit to do the work in our individual hearts right now in our heart as a community as well lord right now do the work of your holy spirit in our heart do the transformation of our of our lives according to your word in the power of the holy spirit lord make us clean we open ourselves to you right now and we say change me Make me humble, O Lord. Make me submitted, Lord. Make my words be a result of a transformed heart. Help me to be 
lay my plans out before you, Lord. And so we, Lord, transform us from the inside out. Do an incredible work in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.